Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I want to talk tonight. I started last night with, I mean, that Sunday, with just kind of a helping us point our arrow toward this year. I love um, I love a new year where where I feel the activity of the Holy Spirit is is at a really high level. You know, one of the things that that we need to kind of accept in our journey is that um, the Holy Spirit is always he's he is he's movement to me he's an animator and um i feel like that that he's he's always looking for an individual heart that he can so arrest with his presence that there's there's really no other God for them. You know, one of the things that I think happens in society as a whole is that we don't really even know how to dream for the more sometimes. Yeah. We have such a, I said it, I was listening to myself today, and I said that we have such a ceiling on God. That term is sort of new. You know, I think it kind of came where women were feeling suppressed. I think if anyone has a cause to f- talk about suppression, I think it would be the, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yes. Can you feel the ache tonight of, of a creator that designed everyone so intricately and so well thought out, and so precisely that he equipped us with everything needed to fulfill his actual heart over a planet, over nations. And I can just feel tonight that you know, there's just some things in the order of our destiny that, that we have to continue to refine and restore back to their original design. I've talked about our original design for, I don't know, probably 40 years of my life, if you can believe it. The first time I ever remember thinking about my original design was when I was 12. And, you know, I, it's one of the reasons I searched out learning about personalities and learning about the gifts of the spirit. And I, I just, I can't explain it, but it was just like, I really wanted the more I wanted there to not be any limitations because someone said it was too hard. It was too much or 
you know, my favorite, you know, no one else has done that before. And so it makes sense to me that, um, you know, I would be in a position to carry something for a really, really long time. And, you know, the old adage that we always say, Christy mentioned it earlier in the green room, I'm a bulldog on a rag. If you've ever had a Boston Terrier, as we do, I have had six of them in my lifetime. Then one of the things about them is that when they get a hold of a, of a sock or a dish towel or a rope, it's, it's, they're solid. They're holding on. I used to have a little, you know, we have a funny thing at my house is that we always named our Boston Terriers pugs when I was growing up so we didn't have to remember another name. And now I kind of really understand why, because we can't get any of our dogs' names right. <laughs> but we used to have this Boston Terrier, and I could literally spin her around my head like this while she held on to a sock. And she would just be flying, just smiling. Just She was the first one to go on one of those circular rides that we saw down in Florida. But... You know, sometimes we have to hang on to a promise for a long time. I don't, I don't really know if I can fully tonight explain to you why that is, except for I just know God works outside of time. And so I know when you're in pursuit of something for a long time, a lot of interesting things get worked out of you. And it just, it really comes down to whether or not that I believe that there is a people that would eventually worship him in spirit and in truth, in the purity of worship. I want to propose to you tonight that that part of the mission this year for you, whether you choose to accept it or not, in the apprehension of really what is God's heart for you. You know, think about your destiny, as I said Sunday, is not just a cliche word. It's your actually it's your actual purpose to be on the planet. And it's not just single faceted. You know, we're so in human nature just it needs to be so precise, yet we're talking about a God that created something out of nothing. So I propose to you that in my acceptance of the actual truth that I have a destiny begins to make the destiny actually grow. Part of what causes us to not actually live out our destiny, in my opinion, is that we want it to be so specific and structured starting out. And it's and it really, I don't feel like it really works that way. You know, back in my childhood, you know, my my parents actually, my mom played the organ and my dad sang tenor. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's sort of the key that Aaron sings in. It's not real low, it's not real high. And I remember my dad would lead song service while my mom played the organ. 
And we would sing songs out of this book, and they were called hymns. I know some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But back in the day, we actually had a songbook, and there were hymns. There were actual, there's a bunch of little notes on there on a little looking graph thing that was actually had the notes that they would play. I know some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about right now, but that was in a book, and you would open this book, and and we would read, I mean, we would sing. There would usually be, you know, one to five verses, and we would never sing all five, you know, in the church I went to because that was way too long, you know. But there really wasn't a knowledge, if you will, that because all of that was just, to get us sort of warmed up for the for the word, really, because usually the pastor he was a guy that was working for a living. I mean, like he he found a way to get paid um, to talk about God, and the worship part of the service was just a means to the end. So we would come in. There wasn't a lot that went on during that time. We would, for, you know, 10 to 20 minutes, we would sing some stuff, you know, like in the sweet by and by, when I die, there'll be a mansion waiting for me up there and I can't wait to get there. And then the preacher would get up and he would talk about what a horrible sinner you were and how you were wretched and undone and how that God was mad at you for your sinful ways and the devil was hot on your trail and that you needed to repent. And so we would all go down after the message and we would repent and we'd repeat that on Wednesday. And if there was a revival that came for five days, we would do that five days, five nights in a row. And if it was a daytime service, we did it at daytime too. We did it at two o'clock, seven o'clock. That was, that was the process of church. I know some of y'all weren't raised in that, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there was never a lot of talk about destiny. There was never, ever any talk about your assignment on earth. And so then it became just a process of trying to make sure you didn't feel guilty on Monday, Tuesday, and on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday was the most guilty day because... You had you had forgot to read anything most of the week, and so then you barely were able to get up Sunday morning and make it to maybe Sunday school, you know, but you were tired, and there were no donuts or coffee. Oh, no. No, no. There was a dry old board. Maybe they stuck some pictures up there on the felt strips. And so I remember, you know, say, I don't know, 30 years ago now, when I was introduced that there was more. And there was more in all the stuff. That there was an actual presence, abiding presence of the Holy Spirit that produced healing and healing, healing and peace. That there was an actual ministering spirit in the three and one. And that that he was an animator of all that he made and that I could assign to him worthy worship 
and that I could I could discover him in ways that I had never known him before. I could I could live for a whole week and then a whole month and then it was like a whole year where I didn't feel guilty at all where I lived like I'd never sinned before, where I actually looked out ahead and saw life as purposeful and and I could see people I prayed for healed and I could see things that everybody else was praying for and it never came true. I could see people who had been abused and hurt and wounded and I could actually see them flourish again and live again and I could actually see them begin to actually think differently about themselves and they didn't have to live where they just watered plants for $6 an hour. (laughs) And so it, it became a, the reason I get up every day is that in every area of your life, I want to teach you about pure worship because trust me, it's not a song service. You know, I was talking to him about it, and I was, I felt like he told me that in the apprehending of your destiny, you could just think of it as your first stop on the journey is an encounter with pure worship. And I, I wrote this little thing. I had, I talked to the worship team about it last night, and I was saying, you know, true worship it's all kinds of things. It's building skill. It's unity. It's laying down the need to, to have everything perfect. It's, it's all kinds of things that, that develop in us this knowledge of who he is to us. I said, when God is established in our own hearts as king and Lord and savior and bridegroom and intimate friend and creator and designer and partner of humanity and lover of our own souls, our counselor, he's our animator. He's all these ways that I've identified him to be. You know, isn't that the beautiful part of where we are on the earth and especially in this house? I love that the people who write songs with me are people who have a lot of language. They have a lot of of vocabulary. Their vocabulary is vast of how they can describe the beauty and and perfection of God. And they turn it into a song. And I was just thinking all the ways that I've identified him and, and think of, maybe you can think tonight that maybe before you came here, you, you didn't even know how to call him anything but God the Father. I don't know. I remember the day I started calling him Papa. And and I I think about people in my past now that if I was to call him that to them, they would maybe think I was being sacrilegious or something. But thank you, God, for Shaq. The Shaq movie, right? Gave us all permission. And I was saying that all the ways I've identified him to be to me, inside me, then I have to find a way to express this form of knowing him. And I call that an act of worship. It's not an act, but a, a way to express worship to him. So when I 
know him as provider, then I have to be a giver. Like it's, I can't not express worship to him any other way because freely I received and so freely I give. So it, it causes me to work harder and get more jobs and, you know, I own more companies and it causes me to want to do more so that I can earn more, so that I will have more to give away more. Because I, I have found that the joy of life is actually giving. The joy of life isn't even in receiving. And so the, that's why God's so good to me, if you will, because he knows I'm going to give away all the goodness he gives to me. He doesn't want he doesn't want us to look stingy because he's not stingy. He doesn't want us to be afraid. Sometimes we, we get this thing. I see it. It's going on in the tribe right now. In our tribe right now, there are people who have set goals in their life for things that they want. And I know that, that, that it's not him. I mean, I just know it. I know he has this whole other way, but we get so bent on these certain ways that we've decided that God's going to do this thing this way. And it's almost like a bulldozer has to come through to knock us off to see this other glorious way. And see, God wants us to be yielders. You know, I, Vinton said to me the other day, he said that, he said, I don't know how that you preach that way, this way, whatever this way is so many times in a year he said i got a, i had a whole month to prepare and he said it was felt really difficult and i just said to him the phrase that shooty says all the time i just said well yielding is like breathing because i don't come ever with an agenda of my own that what i'm talking about right this second isn't what i knew i was going to be talking about 30 minutes ago and see yielding is saying that wow, I so trust him in his way that I don't even want to get locked in on my way. I've done my way. Everyone in here has. Have you done your way and then it didn't turn out good? And then the next time something happened, you did it your way again and you were going, <laughs> Dad, blab it. Why did I do my way again? I didn't even want to. Have you, have you, that's, that's a good place to be. At least you're aware. Remember that other stage, you were completely aware that you kept doing it your way over and over. You just thought you had, like Pam used to say, bad luck. But see, when I, what I want to do is I want as many expressions of true worship to come out of my life. And I can only worship Him truly and purely in a way that I've experienced him. And I, I went on to say, true worship comes from what I've personally discovered him to be to me. So when I'm doing all kinds of things in life, whether it be praying or reading or working or serving or singing, it doesn't really matter, or giving, or I want him to become something. If that's what... 
I'm doing with my life when I'm praying or singing or working and I want him to come and become something to me because I'm working. Then I've yet to actually experience him. See, I can't be doing something and I want him to come be something in that. That's not true worship to me. It says that, I wrote, this is not worship, that's seeking, or that's knocking, or that's the discovery process, which is all good. But worship is what discovery yields. He wants us to seek and knock, and he said to, but he didn't say that was worship. See, when I'm looking, I, I hope this translates to you, but when I'm looking... For something in the world to mean something to me that only God can mean. And then I say that that's worship. I'm putting an actual act that I have the privilege to do, which is to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I'm I'm putting an experience on it that's not even real. That's not even Him. That's not even what He's talking about. See, there's... The thing about in our destiny is that we have to have true worship because otherwise when our destiny begins to unfold, it will be about us. And I I wrote this simple example. If I'm singing or speaking and I'm wanting the audience to agree or approve and I'm looking them to prove that I'm really leading well, then their response actually is what I'm worshiping. That's the best example I know from my life personally. I can't look to what you agree with that I'm saying and then I call what I'm doing for him worship. See, if I lay down my life and I say, I will say what you say, say, then I can't worry about how you hear what I say. Because then I'm more worried whether or not you're approving of what I say than I am concerned with am I saying what he says and I've made this a life of worship to him. And that we have to translate that into every area of our life. If you're going to work, I say it all the time, and you're going there for them to pay you, then that's what you're worshiping. You're worshiping making sure that they pay you so you can pay your bills. That isn't what God intended work to be for, in my opinion. That's why he set it up that it says he's going to be a rewarder. It says that Jesus is coming back on his high horse and he's going to have his reward in his hand. For what? For all the things that I've done that were like Jesus. And and Jesus even said that, that... the all the stuff he did, I tell you this all the time, greater things will I do than the things he did. But what if I don't even know what he did? Then I'm going to do something and I'm going to think it's greater just because I did it. And see, I think in this ro- in this year, I think that we are educated enough in the kingdom ways to 
be able to delineate for our own personal life, what kind of motive am I doing this thing about? You see, my motive becomes truly what is the output, is the fruit of my life. If my motive is, well, I want to get a promotion, it's not a bad thing in and of itself, but the motive is why. Am I wanting a promotion so I'll make more money so I worry less? Wrong motive, right? See, everything in your life has to be measured by authentic worship. Because everything, every reason that you're here is to make him be lifted up. And he said, if you will do that, if you will find a way in your life to lift him up, then he'll draw, all men will just be drawn to you. I don't know about you, but there's no greater thing to me than to have favor with God and men. See, we all want favor, but we don't have authentic worship. So that means that God can't trust us with the favor because our motive for whatever we're trying to attain is already off. And so he has to wait until our motive gets adjusted so he can trust us to stir the thing that he gave his life for. See, that's why I think when we value the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus left the Holy Spirit here because he wanted, I said it Sunday, he is the power, and he wanted to co-labor with humanity, and we have a role to do with that power. See, when I was raised, we didn't know that. We didn't, I don't know that. We, I, it didn't tr- get translated to me in this way. But now I realize I am co-with God on earth, He infuses me with the power, which is pretty cool. But I have the container. Pretty cool too. That's why he doesn't like for us to hate on his container. Because you're not getting another one. So, I mean, think about this. How many years have you hated on things that you are? Whether it be the color of your hair or the size of your feet or the size of your nose or the shape of your body or your personality. How many have ever wished they had a different personality? It's almost everybody in the room. Only me shooting bros didn't raise our hands. I'm just kidding. A lot of people live wanting and wishing they were what? They were something that they see someone else being. And guess what? You are never, that is a waste of your breath. And that, see, all those places that we do that, those are places of repentance to say, I am so sorry that I've spent my time wishing I was like somebody else. I'll, I, I promise you this. If you will repent, truly repent and change your mind, that means you turn, you change your mind, and you will begin to work on refining those things you don't like about you, you will eventually love you. We spend our time comparing and regretting, and that is not growth work at all. You're never going to go anywhere doing that. You're just going to forever wish you were somebody else, 
And then you're, what, does, what happens when we do that is it makes us think we can't change. I don't think, I would be surprised if there is anyone in here that thinks they can't change. I would be shocked if y'all thought that at this point in our little journey. Because there's not anything you can't change. You may not like the weight you are. You can change that if you want to. You're never going to change it if you truly down inside don't want to. I can never change this curly hair I have. I came with it. But I can go buy me a flat iron and have and did for 42 years and make it straight as a string and hate it when it was humid outside because it would show up that I really didn't have straight hair. It would start going boing, boing. See, we, there are some things in life we can change and there's some things we cannot change. And don't spend your whole life hating something you're never going to change. Quit trying to cover up the stuff of your life that you don't like. The time to be authentic is now. And it's in that authentic place that you actually can be refined. He can't refine a fake part of you. You know, one of the things that I felt like he was telling me this week was one of the ways that we truly worship is actually being mentored. Because, see, it's an act of saying that I am doing what your word says. He's, he has all of this stuff in the word, in, the, in the, the Bible, that tells us how to interact with each other. And it's so interesting to me how that so, so much of the time we want to hide what really needs to be refined and everyone else is actually experiencing it. But we act like no one is. Yes. Lynn was telling me that she was having a conversation with somebody. I'm not going to say who it was. But they were saying, well, I'm just so worried that people are going to be mad at me. And she was saying, well, they already are. You don't even have to worry about it. They already are. It's not fatal. Right. Right. I love Lynn. Yeah. It's not fatal. Yeah. Awkwardness, not fatal. Making people upset, not fatal. None of these things are fatal. You're setting yourself up to not be authentic because you're saying, I'm going to act like I'm not doing this thing so they won't be mad. I'm gonna act like I don't want to say this thing because I don't want to be embarrassed. Guess what? Uncomfortable is going to happen. Why? Because you're dealing with something in you that you even want to change. Isn't it weird how that we can want to change something, but that we don't ever want to tell anybody what it is? I know none of y'all have done this. You know, when I want to change how I feel, I talk about it. <laughs> when I want to change how I feel, when I want to change a feeling I'm having about something, I go to my safe mentor people and I say, hey, I'm feeling this, I'm thinking this, what do you think? So that why? So they can give me some feedback. I was thinking, how cool is that that God said to me, that's true worship. 
That's saying that you trust someone I put in your life when you exert that muscle of trust. Quit saying you don't trust anybody. It's such a waste of time. Isn't it? Don't you hate when you say that about yourself? Well, okay, yeah, everybody's had someone that did them wrong and everybody has had someone that broke trust. That doesn't mean it's everyone. Maybe you're the one that weren't bringing your authentic self, so there really wasn't a lot there to work with. Maybe you were the one that sought out someone for the wrong reason. Your motive was to get something, and then you hooked up with a dangerous person you shouldn't have even been around. You know, there has not been one person I've ever talked to that's been abused as an adult, say with a spouse or something, that I didn't say, well, did you see any bells or whistles? Every time, without fail, every time. Yep, sure did. Yep. Saw this, saw that, red flags going off, and I overrode it. Why? Well, there's two camps in the room. One is, uh, they needed me. My doormat people, they, they needed me. I thought I could fix them. Listen to the sound of that. Makes me want to throw up. That's not me. What's the other camp? I needed them. Thought I could fix them or I needed them. Both accepted unsafe things and red flags swinging, lights going off or going on. And went ahead and gave them my heart. Boom, 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 boom. To what? Be dashed aside. <laughs> and then we have to recover from that. Why did someone done me wrong song? Remember I said it. That was that verse in the 70s. And we wrote the same. We just keep writing it over and over. See, I believe that if you invest in becoming safe yourself and learn what that even is, you don't have time to invest your heart with an unsafe person. There's no need for it. See, a lot of times we don't even want anybody to rise up to be safe for us. We just let them be in our life just like they are under the guise that we're a Christian. Stop! I just feel like that is upsetting to the true worshiping heart of God. He's saying, in you, I've placed this beautiful gift and this heart of sensitivity and you're giving it away to any old person. And you're putting some name on it. It's not even God. You see, that's, that is not true worship. That's not true mentorship. That's not true relationship. That's all about something else. Let's call it what it is so we can change it. And see, I think tonight, I think God is just saying that every area of your life that you're going to apprehend who you are and your destiny, you're going to have to be authentic. You're going to have to be authentic. You know, I love, I, I gave the worship team a challenge. And so, of course, when we get here tonight, you know, that challenge is apparent. You know, Christy walks in and says, hey, I got this little ditty I just sang yesterday, and let's just sing it, which is really unusual for her. She's never usually that bold. 
And so then Shooty's like, I don't know if I can play this, but she's not going to say that out loud. And bro's making sure he don't run her over. This is all the stuff we talk about just all going on in the room. And so what, what happens is that it, I, 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 there's a time where they have to press past everything we talked about to find that place of worship, which they found tonight. They stepped into that place. But see, all of those things that were happening were needed things to happen to teach them that worship is just on the other side. If I'd have come up here when I knew they were kind of straining a little bit, they wouldn't know that they could find it. I know they can find it. Because, see, it's always right there because why? Within them is the worship. They're just trying to learn to collab. It's hard to collab. If you've ever been married, it's hard to collaborate, isn't it? And just try to do that with a bunch of strangers about true worship. It's a little, it feels a little higher stakes. Sorry, married people. It's a little higher stakes than marriage. Because we're we're handling. We're handling the Holy Spirit. And we're representing Him. And we're inviting people into a place of intimacy. And that's that's sacred to me. We don't want to call something pure worship that's not. You know, every note they play, every note they sing isn't pure worship. But see, it's a journey into the heart of God. And we have to trust that journey not only in our own lives, but just even in a service, just even in a tribe, even in a ministry, as we're trying to expand and grow and change and adjust to all the things that have been thrown at us this year. Look how well we've done. I mean, we've stepped in to being able to record our services and put them on YouTube and put them on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And we're moving, we're going to do a series on childcare and all kinds of things this year. And it's we're moving this progressive unit into something that is going to articulate the heart of God. How do you re- raise a revivalist? How do you raise your children to carry the mantle of the revivalist? heart and how do you i plan on doing classes on how to build a worship community prophetically and it's just there's so much on the heart of god we have got to step in to our place and we have to be authentic and we have to apprehend this destiny that sits before us we can't wait anymore we can't sit on the sidelines and say well you know i don't know what i'm supposed to do that's what apprehending your destiny means Quit sitting on the sidelines and apprehend all you can do. Apprehend what you know. Like I said Sunday, find somebody that does something that you want to do and say, how can I do what you do? Find somebody, find a place that is a missing component and say, how can I get in there and help move that along? See, there's so much that God wants us to build. And there's, I mean, surely the events of today and what's going on in Washington, I haven't even listened to any of it, just heard a couple of snippets from a couple of people. It's crazy town. It's crazy town. I am not focused on that. 
because I'm not building fruit in Washington, D.C. If someday somebody from our tribe goes there, that might be different. But right now, I'm just trying to get us some orange juice right here in Oklahoma City. I'm done. Right. We love smooth segues around here, but we like just calling it like it is too, right? Well, I love this message and it's, wow, it's really, really powerful. A really, really deep and profound truth about really all areas of life, you know, and it, it just makes so much sense to me um, the way she presented it. If you're going to apprehend your destiny, then your first step is going to be establishing pure worship. And I don't know that we would have naturally thought that, you know, to say, what's your first step to apprehend your destiny? We probably would have come up with something else. But it makes more and more sense to me as I'm listening to her, because the truth of the matter is, is that everything that we desire from life, everything that we desire to experience in life, um, peace, joy, you know, success, I mean, relationships, everything really comes from a pure heart. When we're living from a pure heart, when we're doing everything from a pure heart, our motives are pure, our choices are, are motivated by, or, you know, we make our choices based on a pure place in our heart. And when I say a pure heart, it doesn't mean that you never have a bad thought or, you never feel a little jealous of somebody or you never, you know, whatever. It doesn't mean that you have a perfect, like you have a perfect soul, you know. It's about when things come in, in your heart, what do you do with it? It's, that's, that's the simplicity of it. When something comes in, when you experience something, what do you do with it? Do you sort it out so that you get back to a place of, of pure living, living from a pure place. And I think that the real, the truth is that this message that, that Tisa brought us tonight is so powerful because everything comes down to exalting him above whatever we're experiencing. You could say, okay, so you're going to re you're going to have more peace in your life when there's more order. There is a God, a creator who de designed and defined what order was. So no matter what subject you're talking about, if you believe that he designed, he defined what order was. So your heart is going to be restored to order. Your perspective is going to be restored to order when you place him above all else. When you say you're more important than what I'm experiencing right now, you're more important than what I'm seeing or sensing right now, what I'm feeling. So that's how you get back to a pure heart. When you, when you place him, you exalt, that's what exalting him means. And so I've been, you know, really feeling a challenge in that area myself to, to apply that on a deeper level, a more consistent level just throughout my day. And so I, I certainly have not done it perfectly. I still have lots of room to, grow, to go. But 
what that looks like to me is that when I have a thought comes in, a thought come in that's maybe a scary thought or I have, I'm mad about something or whatever it is, then I say like, regardless of how I feel right now, I exalt you above it. I say you are above that thought. If I, if I get some bad news, I say, regardless of that, you God are above that. Just keeping it that simple. And so I think that I was thinking about our worship uh, time tonight and those, those words that came to me of, um, I see your glory and I call you holy. And those were just two simple lines, but I, I feel like the, the magnitude of it and the importance of it, he's trying to give us a language to practice that no matter what we experience, we, we check the news when we leave tonight, or you talk to a friend or a loved one, you have a, a thought come in, whatever it is, that your the period on the statement that follows is that I see your glory and I call you holy. So no matter what it is, right? And like Tisa said, everybody here in this room has seen his glory. We have felt his glory. We have, we do know him in a personal way. We may still have new ways or additional ways that we want to know him, but we do have a place to worship him from, from our personal experience. And so we can say, no matter what, I see your glory. Even if we don't see it in that particular situation, I see your glory and I choose in this moment to call you holy. And I just felt like that was so powerful for us. No matter what, choose to say, choose to say the period at the end of that moment, the period on that statement is, I see your glory and I call you holy, no matter what. And that settles it right there. Final, that's the end of it right there. I see your glory and I call you holy. So I just want to challenge you all to maybe make note of that statement, take that statement, because I feel like it was a nugget from him for us to practice this. Tonight, tomorrow, like I said, no matter what you're experiencing in your day, to practice this. So when those big feelings come up and you want to partner with it and say, well, never mind, I'm just going to get hopeless and I'm going to lower my expectations for the next two hours until I can get over it. Instead of doing that, just say, no, I see your glory and I call you holy and, and choose to partner with that statement and that thought for those next two hours instead. And you'll find that you're living from a pure heart and from a place of peace and power and hope and passion and all the things that we truly desire. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to pray over you. Papa, I just say, thank you. We just thank you. Holy spirit. I thank you, Jesus. We just thank you. Thank you for this night. Thank you for our time of worship with you for this powerful word. I just thank you for your presence and the, the passion that you have to speak into each of our hearts, for us to experience you in a personal way and to take that experience out into our day, to experience you even more in our every day. We want to experience your presence, Papa, 24-7, not just on occasion, not just when we're feeling positive and excited and not just when we're in a certain building or in a certain location or when worship music is on or whatever it may be, we want and we desire to experience your presence 24-7. So I thank you for teaching us how. Thank you for teaching us how. 
So I just speak over all the hearts in the room, all the minds that are have heard this message, and we just and I just pray, Lord, that it be done. We just say, let it be so. Let it be so that each heart today, each mind today will have a new tool for exalting you over even the small details in our day so that we can practice that. We can practice establishing you and establishing the purity of our hearts so that we are worshiping you from a pure place in all that we do. So we thank you and we say, let it be done. Let it be so just as you've said it tonight. Let it be so. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the way that you make these words and these, this time and this teaching go deep in our hearts. Thank you for tilling the soil today. Thank you for making the soil ready to receive the seed. And so we say, cover the seed, co- cover the seed with more good soil. Water it. We just say more and more and more, and we speak growth over that seed tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.